What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey guys, this is Hart Bachner and you're listening to $2 Late Fee. So listen, listen up. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. This is America, Bill. So I want you to live it up, stud man. This is the last summer blast. It's a fast life. Great party, Bill. Thanks. It's a low life. Who wants something? I do, I do. It's a high life. It's a wild life. Hi, I'm Bill Conrad, and you are... Not interested. You don't get out of here right now. I'm going to scream. You won't scream. I'll scream. You won't scream. Now, from the creators of Fast Times at Richmond High, comes something even faster. They're doing it. It's casual. They're saying it. It's casual. They're living the wildlife. It's casual. So, I got a question for you. Or more of a... More of a a comment, I guess. Um, no, it's more of a question. I got a question for you. If someone said to you, have a maple bar, brother, they're fresh. Do you think that would change your perspective on life? Do you think that would make, <laughs> you felt like the world around you was crashing down, a maple bar would make life good once again? I mean, at this point in time, I don't want to touch any food that anybody offers me or anything. <laughs> So probably not. Um, I actually, I played uh, I played tennis this morning for the first time in twelve years or something. Wow! Because uh, uh, my friend and neighbor was like, "Hey, you know, uh, the courts are open, and let's go play." Uh, why am I saying this? Oh yeah, just the point of like, um, well, number one, it was awesome because just being out there in the fucking in the world I bet exercising yeah. in that in that way but just like um oh just like other people's tennis balls you know because there's a court next to us and like oh, yeah, uh, yeah. they're coming over but I was just like yeah I don't want to touch other people's tennis balls much less a maple bar uh first of all did you have a sweater tied around your neck when you played tennis um I had it tied around my my waist okay because <laughs> I, I haven't played tennis since I was in high school and and I still uh <laughs> I shouldn't stereotype, <laughs> but I always, as a kid, I always associated tennis with the sweater tied around the guy's neck. And, and is uh, is that because of a specific movie? No, I think I don't know. Like I've never, like... I've literally never seen that in my entire life, and on a human being, like in person. <laughs> really? But I, but but movies at the country clubs, you know, like the the Underhills and like 
Yeah, I think Mrs. Stanwyck. Mrs. Stanwyck. Um, I don't think he did. Stanwyck. I don't think Mr. Under- Underwill had it. But it's like that kind of thing. It's like the it's like the buffery, like when they're doing a stereotype of the country club rich couple, yes. you know, or whatever. They're always, you know, like the caddy shacks, the uh, the. Um, the, the clearly the the douchebag antagonist family. Yes. Um, well, I, I think I think uh, that's where I got it from. I think Fletch might have had a sweater tied around his neck, and he had the tennis racket with the cover still on. So there you go. Can I borrow your <laughs> towel? In... I just hit a, a water buffalo. <laughs> I just love how he had the cover on his tennis racket, and he was playing with the cover on the tennis racket. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yep. we we we'll, we're gonna have to talk about that movie one of these days. Uh, maybe if we get Harold Faltermeyer on our show. I mean, yeah, it's a great. Uh, yeah, I mean that's. Yeah. But today, it's a five. Today, we're talking about a film that some people know about, many people don't know about. It's the 1984 cult classic, The Wildlife. The Wildlife. Yeah, I would say more people don't know about it. Um, it's very. It, it, it's. I mean, I'm like, it's very under the radar now, but it was very under the radar uh, then. And certainly, despite being being labeled and branded as the sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it did not, it didn't, it didn't, what's the word? It didn't pay off. It didn't succeed. It didn't, as I'm banging into everything. Um, no, I think, I think uh, Cameron Crowe was, uh, because it, because Cameron Crowe wrote the screenplay for, both films um they um, automatically tagged them together at one point developmentally it was intended to be the sequel to fast times but then it didn't go that route Uh, the director was fired and then they rehired another director to finish the film so clearly it was marred with the typical hollywood uh you know bullshit that a movie goes through um but overall yeah, and, it, and it, tonally, it's very different than Fast Times. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, so this, I mean, this movie uh, was directed by a guy named Art Linson, who is primarily known um, in his career as a producer, um, producing he produced some, a lot some, of big movies, some hard hitting movies like Heat. I know for a fact. I know for a fact he produced Heat. I don't have it in front of me. Um, I don't even have to look it up. But but he was the he produced he produced Fast Times and uh, the oh, Fight Club Fight Club Fight Club. Yep, huge movie. And the Untouchables. Yeah, also a huge movie. What was the TV? What was the TV show that I was thinking of? Um, oh, Sons of Anarchy. Most recently, Sons of Anarchy, which is yep. uh, a huge show. Actually, and and he's actually been, he's yeah, he's been in the business for forever, and this yeah, his work on this film. It's not like you would say, oh, that's a John Carpenter movie. Oh, that's a Ivan Reitman film. This is again, um, what would typically be just another buried '80s comedy, and it pretty much was buried. People. Like you said, not that many people know about it. And unfortunately, um, one of the main reasons is because of the distribution with the soundtrack and the uh, you know Universal not wanting to pay 
rights to Eddie Van Halen or the other artists to put this thing out. That's why we have never seen a proper DVD release or a Blu-ray yep. release. It, it, I think that's a criminal as far as movies that should be seen because while this movie is flawed and we'll definitely talk about that, it's got a lot of, uh, it's got a, it's got a lot of a quality actors in it. It's got an amazing soundtrack and it's definitely one, a quintessential eighties movie in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, I would seen this movie maybe twice in my life. Um, oh, wow. okay. You know, it's not, it's not one that I've rewatched a lot. And up until you, um, surprising me with the with the with the wonderful dvd i yeah it was like it was like watching it for the first time because oh wow honestly it's been 35 years or something so um so you know watching it with those fresh eyes i was like okay i definitely remember this i don't remember this um so just from the for the the basic over i have no words today no words at all nothing's making any sense (laughs) The overall theme of this, the overall premise is essentially it's like, so you've got Eric Stoltz, who who to me is the main character. Yes, he is unlike Fast Times, which had a bunch of main characters. Multiple stories. This is kind of like we're seeing the movie through the eyes of Eric Stoltz's character named Jim. Yep. No, no. No. His brother's Jim. Jim is Jim is uh is Wyatt. Yes. Um on. One thing, one thing I was going to say about this, and this is, this just made me think of it. This is some of the most boring names in a movie. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Fast Times had really cool, like Spicoli, and like, you know, yeah. I mean, Brad, and like, you know, not like they're like cool names, but like here it's just like Jim and Tim and David, and it's just like every, you know, yeah, it's Tommy, just, Tommy, Tom. it's Tommy, and, yeah. And they're uh, never rela- and they're never um they're never unlike in fast times where Damone was Damone but and Rat was Rat but Brad Hamilton and Jeff Spicoli like a first and last name right this is exactly, just Bill you know it's exactly, you're right it's just like hey Bill hey Tom Eric Stoltz, hey yeah <laughs> Eric Stoltz, Eric plays Stoltz Bill. is Bill you know what I mean yeah. right okay I will say though too it's name the names are odd uh the female names Anita and Eileen as two of the, the main right they got people. some decent love yeah um Leah Thompson and Jenny Wright uh respectively but I think you know I just think yeah so it's it's Bill and Bill you know Bill's decided not to go to college after high school and he's decided that he's gonna experience life and he's gonna experience life by managing a bowling alley and getting his own apartment <laughs> um Fourteen and, blocks. And Four, ki- whoa, big man. <laughs> and kind of, and kind of everything is seen through through the eyes of uh, of that premise. And he thinks, and he thinks he's so cool because he's he's gonna be he's a man now. He's no longer a teenager, and he thinks, <laughs> and his brother uh, Jim, played by Elon Mitchell Smith, prior to Weird Science, mind you. Uh, you know, he, he's he's the younger brother, but in many ways, he's kind of like seems more mature in the beginning of the movie, at least. Um, but he gives his brother shit when he's getting ready to move out. And I love that when the mom is like, 
using a camcorder and this is quintessential 80s too this giant camcorder she borrowed it from the neighbors to use it for the first time and she's filming his last goodbye and 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 uh he bill says something like oh i'm only going to be living 14 blocks away and his brother says oh 14 blocks big man you're really taking <laughs> off <laughs> i don't know why but that's one of my favorite lines in the movie and it was when i was a kid it, it still is now um i watched this movie when it came out on vhs with my brother and i was a little guy and he was five years older than me and watching it again now i'm realizing how much my brother wanted to be like the tommy character in this Mm -hmm. chris penn's character tom tom drake and really in many ways like a villain he is a villain like he's just he's he's a douchebag um but i guess a lovable douchebag He's not lovable to me in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really interesting point because I I wanted really hard to like him and I and I never did um, because you you realize like his intentions are kind of like you know he's he's not he's like I agree that he's a villain but he's not a he's not a bad guy he's just kind of like this is sort of all he knows and he's just trying to achieve that sense of like, you know, freedom and, you know, like, like growing up quicker. Like when you're in high school, you just want to be 21, you know, you just want to be in college and then you kind of hit 21 and you're like, all right, well, that was a lot of nothing really. But, um, (laughs) but really like, yeah, I, I, you know, for me, it's like Tommy is just that he just keep he's just like a fuck up. He just keeps fucking up no matter what anyone says to him but at the same time it's like he is he's like a lovable fuck up so he's like oh but tommy oh you know like he's trying to get back together with his girlfriend eileen who like doesn't like him really because he keeps letting her down but then you know yeah she just comes right he's just tommy you know he's just so lovable despite you know hooking up with other girls and all these um things i think one of the first ways we're introduced to Tommy Chris Penn's character in this movie is like when he's in that um convenience store and he's yeah he's going to buy some some booze and things and uh first the, 5 minutes of the movie right yeah and the convenience store guys like oh you're like for everyone in town knows who Tommy is which is like really hilarious cuz he's like a he's like a world champion world champion he's like a all all state wrestler yeah um, in high school so everyone like knows him he's like legendary but it's really funny in the sense that wherever he goes he's trying to like be somebody it's always like when he's trying to like show a fake id and they're like hey man we know you you're the wrestler um so in this case the convenience store is like oh i know you um you're clearly in high school and you 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 know this uh you know this girl and he's like oh yeah i I boned her in the, you know, whatever he says, he's really offensive. And then this guy's like, yeah. the convenience store guy's like, oh, that's my sister. And he's like, oh, no, you said that name. I meant that name. Um, And you're like, all right. Did you recognize uh, the, the convenience store clerk? No. As uh, Dean Devlin? Mm-mm. The, one of the writers of Independence Day. And also mm. in Real Genius as one, one of the nerds. Nope, I didn't. And so I, 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 I automatically recognized him. And yeah, he's so why, pissed why off. Why did you lead with one of the writers of Independence Day? That was such a, that, that's. I think because, I right? think. I mean, real genius, of course. Yeah, I totally get you there. But like, you didn't recognize him as one of the writers of Independence Day? 
Well, no, because him and the guy who the guy who directed Independence Day, um, uh, uh, Roland Emmerich, Roland Emmerich. Oh God. Roland Emmerich and Every Dean Dem and Dean Devlin disaster. were partners together. Okay, so and got it. All they right. did like they did Godzilla together. They did the day after tomorrow. They did the asteroid uh, movie. The other movie. Yeah, they, they, like Dean Devlin for a minute, for a hot minute, was was one of the top blockbuster guys uh and i remember seeing interviews with him and i'm like that's the kid from real genius that's not the that's i don't recognize that's, him as the writer that's very funny and then when i see him in this first five minutes where chris penn is yeah where chris penn is like uh just coming off as a major douche like hey i just i slept with you when he when the right clerk reveals that it's his sister he's like oh yeah no 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 i'm thinking of somebody else and i'm like wait oh that's the same guy that's cool Okay, That's and there's another funny. real genius connection later on in the movie, I, but uh, we'll get to that later. I want to see if you pick up on it. Okay, fascinating. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Just Tommy's just t- establishing Tommy as a douchebag. Yeah, Tommy's Tommy is the du- the quintessential douchebag. You're right. You're right. He's not a villain, but I was thinking as this movie goes along, if this was. You know how people mash up trailers and make it, you know, they'll take the Shining trailer and make it a comedic movie or they'll mm-hmm. take, right? Um, if you were to twist this into a darker thriller, this would be Hand That Rocks a Cradle or Pacific Heights, one of those kind of thrill. like I'm moving in and there's nothing you can do about it. Unlawful entry, you know? It's so and true. If you turn this into a drama, it would be, you know, Bill Conrad, wants to make a name for himself until Tommy comes along and moves in and Tommy destroys his life. Really uh, destroys the life he thinks he wants. Ultimately it's not the life, the life he probably does want. Um, you know, all in the, in the comedic sense it's so, and it's light, you know, it has an ending where nothing really gets wrapped up. It's just more like I, I continue like I felt in many ways this would have made a great television pilot because it sets up all these very potentially colorful characters, right? And I would love to see a series where all the characters unfold and and, and especially um, Elon Mitchell Smith's character, Jim, where he's such a dark, hard-ass uh, angry kid in the beginning and then has his kind of coming to Jesus via seeing his idol shooting up heroin in a bathroom <laughs> and which yeah. changes his whole dynamic on life. I would love to see more of that. I feel like this movie really plants the seeds for cool dynamics. Um, and, and not, and not to, prom- it's not just for promotion of our upcoming interview with Hart Bachner, uh, one of the, stars of this movie as well but i feel like hart bachner's character which is david and those of you that don't know hart bachner he was ellis in die hard that's what he's mostly known for but he has a he has an entire resume that is very well stacked uh, of films and he plays this cop who is um for lack of a better term banging leah thompson's character anita Mm-hmm. who happens to be Bill's ex-girlfriend. Um, and he has sex with her at the donut shop, Donut City, 
And that's pretty <laughs> much the only time he interacts with her through the entire movie. Uh, but he has a really good comeuppance. One of the few characters that has a good comeuppance at the end, in my opinion. Yeah. In re- reference to, to Jim, uh, Alan, um, I just want to call him Wyatt. I just want to call him Wyatt from Weird Science. Seriously. But, but he, uh, so his, his character, uh, which you sort of alluded to, is really obsessed with like kind of war and he's, you know, he's always wearing camouflage pants and he's like, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a, an older buddy, as you said, an idol, um, played by Randy Quaid, who is a, a Vietnam vet. And like, so yeah, his, so the, the character is just kind of like obsessed with like, with like war and like kind of just this sort of defiant, you know, at the same time, he's like defiant to the man. Like you can't, you couldn't see him going to military school necessarily. Cause he just doesn't give a shit. You know, he's like, no, smoking a cigarette he's blo- you know he yeah the first thing we see with him is he blows up the very first scene of the movie blows up the uh statue out front on the on the school's uh you know front lawn there but his upcoming but, high school that he's, yes that he, he's going to go to because he's like it, what 13 at the time or something 13 14 yeah right yeah. Trans, transitioning from middle school um and the whole movie as an aside it, it kind of takes place that last week of summer leading up so there's a lot of like the clock is ticking what are we going to do um but this is kind of a dark perspective but the 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 thought i had when it comes to this character is basically that if this were today that would be the character that'd be shooting up a school yes like i agree he would you know like and it and it made me feel so uncomfortable because obviously like in 84 when this movie came out that wasn't really a thing people kids weren't shooting up schools as crazy as that is you don't remember that time um no and and glorifying war during that time was kind of a cool thing to do like everybody if you it was such a big thing to wear like camouflage pants and go to the army navy surplus and get the gear that all the soldiers would wear i was a part of that yes you know i watched a shit ton of gi joe and i thought oh i wore camel camel pants and i remember there's a line in the movie too where um, where uh, Jim is, I almost called him Gary, not Wyatt, but Gary. Right, Gary, Wyatt, he, whatever. I mean, he's at the bowling alley and he's wearing his camel camel pants and he's hitting on this girl that he has a uh, clearly has a crush on, that is around around his same age, and someone you know someone says to him, you know, like nice nice Halloween costume or something like that. Yeah. And I just remember that was the other thing too that that really struck with me. About that time, you're right. Violence was not how it is now. Uh, if a kid was acting and doing the things that he did then, now he would have been flagged the second he started cranking up his, you know, Jimi Hendrix music. Um, yeah, right, right. But that line when the kid's like, you know, hey, nice costume. There was such a stereotype too about like, you know, oh, you can't wear that. You, you know, you're not, you're not a soldier. You can't wear camouflage pants. Which is not nowadays. People do it, and who cares? It's not a big deal. But it was the same thing with like, if you wore a sports jersey of a guy. Oh yeah, well tell me who, tell me all the things Michael Jordan's done with his life. Versus just being a fan of something, you know, enjoying something for what it yeah, is. Like yeah. you had to validate why you were wearing what you were wearing. And I'm speaking personally because that shit right. happened to me all the time. <laughs> Right. Well, I do. I do think it's geographic too, because it's you know, if if you grow up in the 
redneck south or whatever you know like everyone's camoed because everybody hunts so it's not yes. even a thing and that's kind of always how it's how it's been uh historically so you know so i think that this movie's taking place in southern california so there's a little bit of like you know where's the war buddy there you're yeah, standing palm trees that was the or whatever, you know yeah. where's um, the war yeah so um so you know so i do i do kind of see that too because i agree yeah like that it was very common, I think, for a lot of kids to wear camo where I grew up in New Jersey, but also at the same time, it wasn't like it wasn't like everybody was doing that. No, and and I think yeah, if if you were wearing certain outfits, you were automatically stereotyped as being a certain type type of kid, right? You're oh, you're a metal kid, or you're a stoner if you wore a if you had long hair and wore a leather jacket or whatever. But going back to what you were saying earlier earlier about the uh, the school shooting thing. Yeah, Gary, Gary was, or Jim, <laughs> damn it. It's damn just, it. Jim is just, I don't know, it's like a boring name to say. No offense, Jim Walker, but like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to, you know. No um, offense, James. Um, <laughs> Bill, Jim, Bill, Tom. You're right. Well, Tony, you're right, Harry, though. Bobby, you know, it's like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but I was going to say, too, that was that, that uh, you know, he's one bad move away from if it from turning into a darker character yes if it wasn't for the fact that and randy quaid does he has a, like a, a a two minute scene a uh, little cameo it, it shows again what a great actor randy quaid is and it's too bad he went he went down the crazy train route yeah um but so effective in portraying what like a vietnam vet really is versus Rambo, well, Ram, not Rambo. Uh, I would say Rambo Part Two, but First Blood is <laughs> First Blood's more realistic because he comes home and he just wants to be left alone and isolate himself. And then Part Two is like suddenly becomes the cartoon character that we many people love. Um, but yeah, he's this. He's the reality of war, and Jim wants to show him off to his buddy. Right. Oh, look how cool my friend is. Well, actually, he doesn't even want to go by there. His friend's like, come on, take me, take me through the whole movie. Um, right. Sissy Charlie. Like, he's like, Charlie. Yeah, Sissy Charlie. Know, he's, little, he's very cool. He's very private, Charlie. <laughs> and when he finally does, Charlie's disturbing. And then he catches Charlie shooting up heroin in the bathroom. And uh, that's the shift where Jim, who does have a head, goes, oh, shit, that's not cool. And that's his story arc where he changes and at the end of the movie he's he's not wearing he's not wearing camo anymore he's wearing plaid because you know that's what normal kids wear in the 80s plaid <laughs> right that's what your that's your standard 80s kid garb <laughs> yeah. says he's on straight and narrow on the way but this movie though outside of that character and i know you mentioned it earlier jenny wright uh and I said, Leah Thompson, this character, this movie has so many great actors in it from Jenny Wright. I mean, I recognize Jenny Wright from um, like Near Dark and a lot of horror films, actually. Lawnmower Man. And she was in a movie called I Madman with Clayton Roner. A bunch of kind of quirky, darker films. And in this, she plays like a really sweet character. And yeah. and then Leah Thompson who plays Anita. Yeah, she's the ex-girlfriend of Bill and she's she's seeing the David the cop at the donut shop and uh <laughs> and it's kind of interesting that 
she has a relationship with Eric Stoltz in this. And then later on, a couple years later, they're in some kind of wonderful together. I totally, I, it, it tripped me out actually a little bit. That is like, the, I had it? a moment. Yeah. Where I was like, wait a minute. Because the now, dynamic yeah. is so, yeah. The, yeah. The dynamic. And then to think too, that, that Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly. Um, he would have played her mom. Right. His, there would have been this her, epic, been like Eric Stoltz, Leah Thompson, I'm glad he didn't, but yeah. Well, well, it is interesting that in in this he, when he realizes that Anita is dating a cop, an older cop, he gets jealous and he wants to get back together with her, and she doesn't want to get the back. She doesn't want to get back together with him because she's had her first orgasm because of David, and uh, <laughs> she thought that only happens when he turned 25 or something right, like that. Right. <laughs> and then, um, but then. Bill, like his his character, Bill, is totally different than his character in Some Kind of Wonderful, but they're all, both pining for Leah Thompson's character. Um, difference being in this one, he gets back together with, with, uh, with well, right. Well, he, he had broken up with her. So, yeah. Her, you know, I'm kind of on her side. Like, you, oh, totally, you broke up totally. with me. Like, yeah. But I didn't think you'd be dating all of America. Or something like that. <laughs> I love how he says that. He he confronts her at the donut shop and he, and he's pissed off because she's dating one guy. And I don't blame her at all, man. Like no, for actually, I she's one of the characters I have the most sympathy for in this movie because she's in love with Hart Bachner's character David, the cop, and he's cheating on his wife and he has a kid. I mean, that's that was obvious from the get go. Um, and his his wife, by the way, played by um, uh, Nancy. Tamara Crowe's wife, Nancy Wilson, right? Who I hadn't seen since uh, Fast Times, obviously, too. Um, but yeah, yeah, she uh, she's the one who's, for lack of a better term, is, is like getting dicked around. You know, she she's yeah. getting cheated on, and Bill's jealous. Um, and Bill's character is like, I get his character too, man. Like he just wants to be. He wants to escape high school. I hated high school. I hated that whole experience. I want. I think I've said it on other episodes. Um, I totally understand where he's coming from. He just wants to be his own man. I think I wanted to move out around that same age. Um, but then he realizes soon enough that life is pretty damn hard at that age, working at a bowling alley, wanting to live in a nice apartment complex, even though the apartment itself was a piece of crap. Uh, yeah, and you know his whole world, his 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 whole world changes as the movie unfolds, and then he gets, you know, a, hor- a horrible roommate in Tommy. But um, yeah, I mean that's outside of those characters, you've got Rick Moranis who plays Harry. It's Eileen's boss at uh, what, was, what was the name of their place? It was called like Fashion Fashion Galaxy. That's right, <laughs> Fashion Galaxy. Yeah. And he's got a great uh, little bit in the film. And then, he's got amazing by the way, hair. yeah, yeah, the hair. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. I, I, and I love how he, like, he kind of plays that same, same sleaze ball that he played in Ghostbusters. He played in Streets of Fire. Um, it's kind of a mashup, actually, between this, his Streets of Fire character who was like overly cocky and compensating 
and then his Ghostbuster character, who was very meek and quiet, but was still kind of like hitting on the girl. And so right. he took those two characters, you put them together, you get Harry, who is like this meek idiot who thinks he's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, I, I just kind of love those characters of like, you know, um, I'm the manager of this store and this is probably about as far as I'm going to go in life. Yeah. Like I'm going to manage this store Oof. forever and um, just kind of putting all these weird responsibilities on Eileen. Like there's a shoplifter. You better take her down. You know, she's like, what? Like, <laughs> like nobody, you know, like we've, we've all kind of been in those shitty jobs where you're like, you have responsibility for things you just don't care that much about. You know, like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, at a certain point it's like, am I really going to tackle a shoplifter for this store? You know, I like, did. I did. You did. When I was at tower records. Yeah. Because like your boss, your your creepy boss or whatever was like, oh, not the. This is the different place though, right? This is not the. No, but but it's interesting. I had he wasn't a creepy boss. Wait, well. who are we talking about though? Is this the boss at Tower Records? Th- this is now my boss at Tower Records. Uh, is a guy named Arlo, and Ar- this oh Dustin, like to go from Robert at Video Man. Right. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell your tie-in for you? To Arlo Sellers, and this is how he would always introduce himself. I'm Arlo. I'm from Missouri, the show me state. Oh, <laughs> what? It's weird. I be- I became the assistant manager at, at the video department at Tower Records, and he put me in charge of <laughs> buying all the adult movies in there. Um, he's like, you got you have experience with these movies from Video Man. I think you're gonna be our <laughs> the right guy to choose the movies. So I'd sit <laughs> in a uh-huh. room in a back room with a catalog circling the movies that I thought tower because tower oh. records used to have an adult section. Oh my God. Um, so this is how you and Corey bonded, right? Over adult movies. <laughs> I'm sure it this was in became... some odd way. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the other side of that is like, I was really kind of grossed out about all this. Cause I thought, oh, this is like, this is not me. This is not right. Me. I want to, I want to, I want to make the end caps with the art department. And I want to come up with like, I would do, it's funny, on our Instagram page, and if you're not on there, you should follow us, um, you know, doing the birthday posts, once a month I do featured birthdays, and like, come on, let's put all the movies up of the people that have birthdays this month and give them $2 off. No, no, I want you to buy all the porn for the for the store. Okay. So, I, but can, can, can I make an end cap for The Crow? Uh, with like a Brandon Lee tribute and, and all the movies that might have influenced it? No. We want you to look for the new. Um... Right. This is funny. So you're trying to like do anything creative that you can do within that within that role. And he's just like, no, buy buy the um, the adult movies. Um, OK, so quick question. So is assistant manager. That's not. Is that a full time position? Yeah, I was full time. I was full time at Tower Records. You were full time at Tower Records. I had benefits. And everything. you had. OK. And you had like a little like staff under you. Yeah, I imagine I did. And so when it came time, just to get back to this shoplifting story, yes. yeah. did, did you see this go down and you were just like, well, this is my job and I'm going to do it? Did somebody report it to you? Did the manager see it? Like, how, lay that out for me. So, so you so, tackling yeah, somebody. Yeah, I was, you know, uh, working the register and then would go off the register to kind of restock the floor, right? With the adult and, movies or just regular movies? Uh, the regular movies. Okay, so you were allowed to do the regular sometimes yeah eventually I, I graduated from the dirty danky depths of debutantes okay. um 
I proved myself when I would go to Arlo's house and for martini night and uh, and, oh and, and play games. And that's a whole other story. Um, oh he was a good God. guy, though. Uh, so, yeah, I spotted a dude. Say whatever you want. I, I spotted a dude and we had undercover security in our in our uh, shop. And I mentioned it to security and they're like, OK, well, immediately security was like, OK, well, you, you go to the left around the counter around around the uh, around the island. and I'll go to the right and we'll kind of flank them. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh OK. I, I OK. I so you were not was... planning to be involved in the uh, no. in the takedown. OK. A- at it. all. Got it. And then when the guy spotted us, he bolted and, and ran out the store and we both ran after him and I caught up to him and I grabbed him. I said, look, man, come on. You, you don't want to just, 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 you don't want to yeah. do this. Just drop it. And he dropped all his shit and the uh, security guard grabbed him and brought him in. And he had like, you know, a couple CDs or whatever and maxi singles. I don't even, I don't remember ex- uh, yeah. specifically what he had, but I remember at that time thinking like, Oh shit. It was kind of a Brad Hamilton moment from Fast Times where I was like, right. where to go? <laughs> yeah, you're like in a, yeah, you're involved in the, uh, you're like a vigilante of sorts at that point. <laughs> but so, but, okay, so you didn't question it because it just happened kind of so fast. And then the guy was like, all right. No, and you're... it's not, it's, it's not like Eileen where she's like, I don't, I got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff to do right now and I really don't want to do this. And well, it's just like, yeah, it's just not really your, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really your response. I mean, it is your response, but it's not really, you know, like, it's especially not, it's if not. there's a security team, like, why are you involved? And also you're much faster than the security team. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was funny too. Cause I'm like, how come I'm the one doing all this? And I felt really good. I, you know, I, after that I was like, Oh yeah, I got my picture on the employee of the month board. And, uh, you know, yeah, well you better at that point, <laughs> you save them probably $10 of merchandise at least, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, um, that they, but, you know, they already were uh, raping people of money, anyways, at that store. So, right. you know, I love how people it, are like, "Oh, Tower Records was so great." They were not so great. Their no. prices were like seventeen dollars for a for a CD when other people were charging ten. Yeah, and it was outrageous. They were not yeah. so great. No, right. So but, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, why do you? I don't know. It's just like a lot of work. You're chasing somebody down in the street. You know, it was adrenaline, like, man. Yeah, I thought. Oh, well, yeah. I, was, I mean, at that point, too. And you have backup, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know if the guy does turn on you, does pull a knife or something, you're at least uh, somewhat. Um, how old is how old was the thief, by the way, is a child or like a. Oh, he was a teenager. teenager. And I was a, I, I think I was like 19 or 20 at the time. I was Bill's okay. age. So I thought I was so cool that I've got this full time job at Tower Records right. and I'm, I'm living in an apartment in Sunnyvale and a studio apartment with my, yeah. you know with my cool posters on the wall that are framed because the minute you frame a poster, even if it's a movie poster, it's you're legitimized. You're no longer a teenager. It's, you're a it's man. very different than just like putting it up with fun tack. That blue, <laughs> yeah, that blue that's shit that's that you, you put it on. It kind of leaves a mark on your wall, a little greasy spot right? on your wall. Um, yeah, and, and I think uh, going back to Eileen at, at fashion galaxy, when, when she, when, when Harry calls her on the phone and, and he's like, Hey, you got to get that shoplifter. And she's like, can you do it? Cause I'm really kind of busy right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets screwed over by her boyfriend. Um and that is that is one of the Tommy. Yeah. harshest scenes or is it the scene right after that with them where he goes to propose to her and this that scene always stands out to me by the way where he gives her the ring box and she opens it up and it's empty. Yeah. And her reaction, there's two moments in that scene. Her reaction when she looks at and realizes it's not there 
it's just it is so believable of like utter disgust yeah and then when she smacks him because i rewound that scene a couple times she smacks him and he's so surprised and and it was a moment where i'm like i wonder if that was scripted probably was but his reaction is so great because he doesn't expect it you know Mm -hmm. and i'm just like yeah i feel the the female protagonist in this movie i have a lot of sympathy for eileen's a, a good girl she just wants a decent guy and Anita's the same way. She hmm. wants a guy that will treat her right. That's a good point. I mean, when we when we talked about Fast Times, one of the things that stood out to me in our discussion at that point was that, you know, there weren't a lot of scenes with the girls that weren't talking about their ultimate goal being to get with a guy. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it was all about, like, like all the girls' scenes, Stacy and, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, everybody was just talking about, like, you know, like, it's just like... Like sex with with older boyfriends or whatever it was, yeah. but there, there was nothing really beyond that. But then when you also look at the, the male characters in that movie too, it's like this. It's really yeah, that was kind of the same thing too. It's like there's not there's not really a lot of substance, and this movie probably has a little more substance too. Although I feel like Leah Thompson yeah. is just always kind of like debating like what to the next steps with David, you know, the next steps with Hart Bachner. Like what should I do? Should I? He doesn't like when I call him or he doesn't like when I show up or he doesn't like anything. I don't know why he would tell her where he lived to begin with or maybe she found out separately. You know, if you don't want your teenage mistress showing up uh, well, at your house. Well, he probably is in the yellow pages at this point, oh, right? Yeah. Probably because it's not Look like he, he's up. a public figure. That's true. But uh, but you're right. Yeah, she she kind of hems and haws and, and he is such a he's such a good sleazeball. I mean, we, we talked about that he's in our best. interview with him and I think the but fact yeah, that he has a mustache in this too is like awesome. You know, it's a, it's a creepy '80s. It's like a pedophile mustache. You know, what we what we call a quote quote unquote pedophile mustache, like just that or or porn star or porn star stash. Right? right, but porn star was later. Like when you were in the '80s, we didn't call it that. No, you know what I mean. Like we were like, oh, that's, that's you know, you'd be like, that's the that's the unmarked van mustache. Like that's the, you know, you don't. Talk, I will say, you don't talk to that mustache. You see a guy like that, you don't talk to a guy like that in the '80s. <laughs> cop or ever, no cop. Have you ever known a guy with a mustache like that? Um, well, not, I mean, not during that time period, obviously, but because um, I was just a little child uh, <laughs> and I didn't know any adults with that mustache. But that's good. That is good. Yeah. But later, you know, I've had friends that have dabbled with that mustache. But then you're like, really, how much can you, how much can this mustache sustain outside of the gay community? Really? <laughs> like when you say porn star, it's actually, yeah, that mustache is hugely popular. With gay men, it it is so. true because um, doing research for Clayton for Clayton doing research for Hart Bachner, you'll be surprised with all the the love that he gets online from certain communities. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Are you doing a separate? Were you? Did you do a Clayton? Did you do a secret Clayton? Uh, Clayton Roner interview, by the way. I'm so. no, but I'm always I'm all he's Clayton you're, Roner's always a guy. You're he, always researching him. We will get him on the yeah. show. I, yeah. that, you know, you very well know, but everyone that's listened knows that I have a, a lot of love for Clayton Roner. It's a lot to love. Like that's why I brought up I Madman because I just wanted to be able to name drop him. Yep. And uh, there were quite a few um, uh, cameos in this movie too. By the way, besides Randy Quaid, Ben Stein has a cameo as the the manager of the surplus city. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, and then. I don't know if you recognize the the casting bouncer. against type. I should say casting against type. Very true. Yeah, very true. Did you recognize the bouncer 
at Lay Girls, the strip club that they go to in the movie. I do not. That's uh, that's that's Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, and also Predator. Um, he played the Predator. He plays Bigfoot no... in Harry and the Hendersons. Yep, sure does. Um, his name. And and how how would I recognize that? Uh, you know why? Because I don't know. I I, I know for myself at the time. Um, I was his watching name is a Kevin of... Peter Hall. Looks yep. like Ken Peter Hall, and he was on. I, I watched so much entertainment tonight back in the day. And I remember seeing interviews with him. Um, when predator two came out or predator one and just promoting, you know, you might not recognize his face, but you'll recognize his size. Amazing. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, that's really an interesting plan words. He, he played a um, lot of monsters. Looks like he did. Cause he's a really big dude. Yeah. The guy was like, I think he, almost seven feet tall and but predators huge. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a great, uh, great little cameo where he. That's a scene in the movie where um, Chris Penn, Tommy's character, wants to have a stag party because he's going to get engaged, slash married to Eileen, uh, which he's definitely not. He lies through this whole thing. He's such a yes. liar. He's such a boaster, yes. and everything he says is a lie. Um, and we're going to get to it, it's casual in a minute as well, but everything uh, he says is a lie, and he goes to the strip club. And Ken Peter Hall is the bouncer. You know, don't touch the women. And of course he does. And that unloads a whole uh, barrage of battles that goes on in that. But what, two of Tommy's buddies, um, my, one of them is Michael Bowen, who was an 80s staple as well. It featured in like Valley Girl and um, a personal favorite of mine, this movie called Amazing Grace and Chuck. Mm-hmm. And... Iron Eagle, of course, with the, the the famous, infamous race scene in the beginning between the motorcycle and the plane. Um, yep, and he's Kill one of the, the and... buddies. Yeah, I, yeah, and so I love it. People are like, "Oh, this movie features Eric Stoltz, Chris Penn, and Michael Bowen, Quentin Tarantino staples." And I'm like, "Right, right." Yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, sure. I don't want to derail us here, but. I just looked at Kevin Peter Hall. Did you see this this tragic death that he had? Yeah, you want to tell everybody about it? <laughs> I just want to talk to you about it. I don't bring know if everybody in. down. Um, I remember when he died. It was, it oh was my a big god, deal. this is horrible. Yeah. So, major yep. car accident during surgery received a contaminated blood transfusion that was AIDS positive. Yep, and died of AIDS. That is horrible. Fun fact. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Is that your... Uh... That's it. That's all it's, I got. It's crazy. It's, crazy. it's horrible. And it's one of those moments where you're like, that should not have happened. No. Um, you think about like tragic on. actors that you know about who died way too young from diseases. I think about the, the girl from the Poltergeist movies who she had a like an autoimmune disease, right? Or some something like that. And she died like basically knew that she was going to die at an early age. Oh God. You know, but, yeah. but this, yeah, Kevin Peter Hall to be, it's horrible to go out that way. Yeah. It's horrible. And he was, I would have liked seeing more of him on screen minus the costumes. Cause yeah. he was really charismatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's our, that's our, that's our fun, uh, this day in history moment yeah, that, brought right. to you by Dustin well, Rubin. That might, I might <laughs> remove that cause that's not consistent with my branding, but 
<laughs> it's really your thing. <laughs> it's really my talk. thing. It's we really just track thing. my, just put yeah. my name on that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say too that, did you recognize the landlord at the, uh, the, ho- the, the apartment complex? You recognize him from anything else? Well, he, that guy's fantastic. And I'll tell yes. you, um, uh, he's in, uh, he's in Boogie Nights, right? Yeah, that's what I know him from. Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy, I can't think of his name. But he... Um, his, his name is Robert Wrigley, by the way. Robert Robert Wrigley. Robert Wrigley. Um, he played the colonel in Boogie Nights. I, one, the colonel. Oh, my God. The colonel. Yeah, he's just so good. But yeah. I think, um, as, you know, again, as a, as a scumbag, like, he's just one of those, like, he's a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, he's just very good at it. Um, but uh, when, when Tommy... When Chris Penn's character moves in with Eric Stoltz, at that point, I like it. It was really making me uncomfortable as a viewer, like yeah, how yeah. disrespectful Chris Penn was of this place. Um, and uh, you know, and at first I was like, "Well, why didn't you just like you didn't really like interview him that well? You just said like come on in and move in, and then and then he's coming in. And he's like, I'm I'm taking the large room. This is this is what stood out to me, right? Chris Penn goes yeah. in. And he's like, I, I'm in the big room. Eric Stoltz has already moved in. It's his place. Yeah. And they're flipping a coin for the big room. And I'm just like, nope, nope. I already hate this. Like, because totally disrespecting, you know what I mean? You don't move into somebody's place. And then, you know, obviously he's written that way and he's supposed to be, but, but we're supposed to like side with Tommy, you know, like you're like, no, no. Yeah. Do you think we are? Do you think that was the intention? Like we were supposed to look at that and go, ha 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 ha. Yeah. He got him on the heads and tails loss. Are I don't, we I don't look- think so. I think, no, I think we're supposed to just be like, this is the first sign of trouble. It totally is. Yeah. And, and I think they have an argument when they go into his room, which is really funny. It's off camera. They both go into the bedroom and they're, and he's like, this is my room. Bill goes, you know, this is my room. Well, I moved in here first yeah. and, and Tommy starts yelling at him and he sounds like a little baby. Like he sounds like a little kid having a tantrum. Yeah. And I think that's the first example of Tommy is this, He's a stunted kid. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at the end, when they have their big rager and his dad shows up, who that's actually his dad in real life, by the way. Uh, no kidding. Chris and Sean's real dad. Wow. And, and grabs him by the hair to pull him out of the yeah. house or whatever. And, uh, and it shows that he's like this man child, which unfortunately I think we all know all too well. We ha- Everyone has a man child in their life where they're just like – Dude, you whether need to grow up. Whether it's your president or like whether it, you know, just, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm just not, no, I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, naming names, but like, you know, it's like the president of the United States. It's just like a man child. With, with funny hair, with funny colored country. hair. Yeah, you know, let's just say, for example. But I would say that uh, Tommy's in much better shape than our current uh, tenant of the Oval Office. So, <laughs> but, but when they bust through that wall, you know, we need more space and they just bust through in this port. I'm just like, Oh, this, this would make me so crazy, dude. It made me so crazy. And that was the moment where I'm like, this is a perfect thriller. You could make yeah. this movie into a very dark drama. Um, speaking of those, that sequence, by the way, that, that big party, there's two cameos as well. Uh, one being Sherilyn Fenn in a very funny scene where again her part that's written for her i think is a strong part because she doesn't give in to tommy's shit uh in fact part of me is like well why did you go into a closet with this guy if you're not going to want to make it with him however she doesn't you know 
Uh, but it's a funny exchange. And then uh, Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones is uh, Ronnie goes Woods into, is there. Yeah. yeah, Ronnie, you know, just yeah. some random cameo. Yeah. <laughs> but totally. speaking of speaking of musicians and kind of segueing into the soundtrack of this movie. Great. Good segue. I, I just wanted to say um, you know, Eddie Van Halen did the score for this film. And that's one of the reasons why it's not available anywhere because something to do with license rights. Um, he scores this movie and outside of Brian May from Queen who did Cloak and Dagger and The Quest, which is a unique 80s kid movie also starring Henry Thomas. Um, look those both up, by the way. Those are really good. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of any other rockers, quote unquote, that scored a movie, prominent rockers, um at that time and then you know eddie van halen 1984 van halen was quite possibly at the peak of their popularity at that moment with david lee roth uh which is funny because they hadn't had sammy in the band yet but there's a scene in the movie where eileen and anita are laying down on the bed and we'll post it on our instagram as well or and we posted about it on, on our instagram as well um they are there's an album which in between them and it's a sammy hagar neil sean record your favorite together yeah and i'm like oh shit i know that record um fun fact so there you go anyways eddie van halen did the soundtrack for the movie i think when we do all our episodes on one specific song um i think this is one where we might say the score itself is the soundtrack that will song that we'll talk about yeah. because the score itself is phenomenal like yeah there's you're right absolutely no i was gonna say there's, there's, there's just a ton of move there's a ton of songs in this movie that were just like kind of like top 40 hits that they just used yes. you know we're from huey lewis to madonna banana rama um, banana rama to the, the born to be wild song which i hate so much um, <laughs> well and i also have to point out too unfortunately the dvd that you have and i have doesn't have those songs on it with the exception of a couple um that is universal put out this vault series which is basically like buy the movie on demand from the studio which is so weird mm. uh and, and then when they released it they still hadn't gotten the licensing rights for a lot of those songs madonna uh huey lewis so they put the movie they put they put um other songs on there like little richard and and another kind of like doo-wop 50 song in the strip club specifically because there's supposed to be a madonna song playing in that scene and it's not and so the vault series dvd that we have is just like it's like putting in a vhs tape it just goes straight into the movie there's no menu right. there's nothing right. unfortunately right. that's that's the way this copy is we need that real version really do because the soundtrack is phenomenal. Eddie Van Halen's score is great. Uh, you can and you can't even find that anywhere. Like you can go on YouTube and you can find rips of the album versions, but then some whoever the recorded those, you can hear the warps in the record, uh, or 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 a skip. Unfortunately, Eddie Van Halen was, I, I dare I say the greatest guitarist of the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, the greatest artist of that time, and uh, for what he did, hard rock. 
I think nowadays he would be maybe open to releasing a a version of this because the score so I don't know if you recognize one of the songs in the movie was also used in Back to the Future when uh, Marty goes to see his dad and puts his whole outfit on like his sci-fi looking thing and pushes the play on the cassette recorder Darth Vader and And that's the that song is in this movie too when Tommy goes to visit Eileen at her house Gets it goes in through her window and she's like, "If you don't leave, I'm gonna scream." And she does, yeah, and the music rips. Same piece. And then something that I would say doesn't need to be appreciated, but needs to be questioned, is uh, slang terms. <laughs> because I feel like this movie, real. Oh, so two things. Two things before we get into slang terms. Um, one, there is an insane amount of smoking that goes on in this movie. Every single mm-hmm. character, with the exception of one or two, smokes throughout the and and my also underage smoking. Like I'm not a prude, but I definitely say do not smoke. Just do not. It's 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 shitty. You're it's like bad in, for in front you. of the cop. Like your cops. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a great Shouldn't scene with smoke. Yeah, right with Jim smoking in yeah. front of David. Um, and and then also people checking out their hair. Mm, you can't see this because this is audio, but I'm going to show for Dustin. Everyone's doing this, like kind of, kind of smushing their bangs a little bit. Zach's making a smushing motion in the front. <laughs> Rick Moranis, especially, I feel like was doing. Oh that. Yeah, 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 there's like yeah. a lot of hair play in this movie. Yeah, hair play, hair I guess, play. was big in the '80s. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but then going back to my original point, the slang. Uh, it, 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 I think slang organically comes about. However, I think there's times when people try to force something down your throat, whether it be uh, gag me with a spoon or uh, uh, bitchin'. Uh, but in, in this case, I feel like this movie really tried to get everyone saying it's casual. It's casual. Well, right. Because like that, I mean, that's Chris Penn's uh, catchphrase. I, I agree yeah, with you 100%. It's so... It's almost like the equivalent of what, yeah, of what a hashtag would be now, like yes. where, like, I, we want this to trend. We want this to trend, but it it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not a phrase. No. Where, like, it, it, he's just it's casual. Like, he's just responding to like, you know, it, it's it's. I can't. I don't know the exact dialogue that happens, but I'm like, that is not something you would say as a response to that. Um, well. There's, there's, a, there's a, I think there's like four or five moments when he uses it in the movie. It's like a drinking game. Every time he says, yeah, that. it is a total drinking game. Uh, the first one is when he's in the liquor store, and after he reveals to the the guy that he banged his sister, uh, and he the guy's like, "I'm not selling you alcohol." And he's like, "It's yeah. casual, like yep. no big deal, whatever." Yep. And then when uh, Eileen refuses to get married to him, it's casual. And then a couple of couple other those are two specifics that I can think of. Well, he gets he think... gets punched in the face in the strip club, oh, and yes, it ends because like, it's used it's used a lot of times to end the scene in a very like kind of sitcommy way, where yeah. it's always like it's casual. And like in this one, he gets punched in the face, like, it's casual, you know, falls down. You're like, that's the end of the scene. Cut. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's, and you... <laughs> it's used a lot. It's casual. It's casual. It's casual. It's casual. It's casual. I really like 
uh, I think I said it in another episode. I know I did. I said uh, it, uh, something's very choice. I like that personally for myself, but I would not try to get people to say it. It's casual. I think I tried to use it back in the day, and it wasn't effective. Like it wasn't yeah. funny, uh, and it no. It's confusing. It's it's confusing. It's confusing yeah. because you're like, what What do you mean? What's casual? What What <laughs> you know? You're not talking about casual relationship. It doesn't make any sense. Or like, you know, we have very casual. Yeah, it's just casual. Like like the equivalent of like no big deal or something. No, but um, yeah, and and I think that's you're just you just reminded me of of one that I used to despise as a kid. Uh, the the term bad. Oh, that's so bad. That's so bad. I'm like, what do you mean that's so bad? Like that is badass. that is bad. That is not good. Is it yeah, short for badass? Right. I guess. But I would be like that. No, bad is not good. It doesn't make sense. Or then people would say, oh, that's so dope, and I'm like, dope is not good. Like, yeah, is it? No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> No, there's and there's a lot of like you know regional phrasings that you know yeah. like Boston like wicked, get... wicked. That's wicked. Wicked. It's like wicked. <laughs> or savage. One. Savage is so popular now. Oh, that's so savage. Or that is so sick. And I'm just like, is it really? Is sick a good? Th- I don't want to be sick. Do you... <laughs> I like sick. That's when it's a kind of gross but kind of awesome. You know, <laughs> sick. Um, so if if uh, if our audience out there can start using using it's casual in a very organic way and we get that trending again, yeah, hey, hashtag that would it's be casual. pretty. That would be pretty dope. That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> you know, you you said to me recently something like you were like nostalgia is one hell of a drug. Yes, you know, and I and I and you were you were saying in a relationship to uh, Hardball, um, the the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, Richard I watched Tyson, it. And I, RT. Yeah. Yeah. I said it, you know, I watched it recently and I was like, this is not good. But how, you know, you're, <laughs> you, you know, how it is like you, you, you think back and like, that's really cool. Nostalgia made me think that Chris Penn's character was kind of cool back in the yeah. day. Now I'm looking yep. at it. And I'm like, he's an ass. Just a total, yeah. like you would not want to be friends with him. It's casual. By the way, another, another cameo. Did yeah. you recognize the cable guy? I, it's not like in any specific way. I was like, this guy's been in a thousand things. Well, his name's Lee Ving, and he was in a punk band called Fear in the 80s. Um, but He's always but, like a mobster or something, right? Yeah, He's like yeah like, he was in Streets of Fire. He was great in yeah, Streets of Fire. Yeah, Streets of Fire. Oh, so great. Um, but he worked as a singing waiter at the same restaurant as Robert Romanus did back oh, in the day. Oh, God. That's um, crazy. In, in that's L- crazy. In LA. Okay, so so that so so yeah, and referenced on your episode. Yes, yes. yes so if yes. you haven't listened Amazing. to that, go back. And speaking of which, because I know on we probably have a, a lot of new listeners be, uh, to our program because of our amazing Matt Adler interview, which everyone has loved and showered us with love. Thank you very much. Um, if you haven't checked out our previous episodes, they're really good. Dig a little deeper into our catalog, and you might find something you like. Kind of like uh, this movie. You know, the wildlife would have just been forgotten if, pe- if people hadn't dug a little bit deeper. And we're digging right. a little bit deeper. Right. We, so if we, you were going yeah. to promote some episodes that we've done, for example, what would you say people watch other than just be like, eh. I, I mean, specifically, I think people should listen to the Fast Times episode we did with your brother, first of all. Um, I think the Robert Romanus follow-up is is equally gold, even though you're not there, and there's a 
backstory to that, which you'll hear in the episode, so you should listen to it. Um, but I think our Mitch Gaylord episode, which was one of our first ones we ever did, oh, is yes. really strong. Uh, those are just a couple for me. How about you? What are some episodes that you would uh, say? Certainly Eric Roberts, to? I think, is you know is, well, is paramount. You just have to just go and listen to that one. Yeah, um, yeah. Diane Franklin, uh, She's Zach so great. Ward. I mean, there's just a lot of great ones. I just didn't And wanna... that, that Zach Ward interview is not your typical interview no. in a good way. No, not suitable for work at home or, or No, that is whatever. Yeah. I mean John John Philbin's interview that we did with him is a trip and you should definitely oh, yeah. listen to that. You know, our show we're coming up on our one year anniversary, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, we started this little engine that could about a year ago and uh, have had a tremendous amount of fun doing it. So thank you. Just quick shout out to all you listeners and subscribers and followers and all that stuff. Really support, and, really support it. Really appreciate your support. That's the phrase I want. Yeah, we really do. And 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 the offer still stands. If you, I'm going to tack on a little bit of a caveat. If you follow us on Spotify, and or subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, and leave us a five star rating and a review, it's easier to go on Spotify. But just let us know you did, and we'll we'll wait until we see the number go up click takes a couple days <laughs> um we'll send you out a mix cd it's all the music you know and love from the 80s and some you've never heard yeah um, but yeah so that's i'm done with our little plug i just had to throw it's, that in. i mean there. that's really the best deal you could probably find in america right now you <laughs> honestly you you go and you write a little review and you and you put five stars this is like the opposite of those um telethons on npr you know <laughs> yeah. like, but but really like you you do nothing other than put in a little effort and a little love to the podcast, and then Zach hand mails you, hand mails you mails yeah. you yeah hand mails with with love his special uh, two dollar leafy package for the the true fans, and also thank you for all the comments you guys always give us and support. Um, you know, we we do this because we love it. It's not because we're getting paid to. It's because it's fun. And we hope that we're bringing you a little bit of joy in these times that are very uh, uncertain and scary. So for an hour or so to be to to just laugh and, 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 and reminisce, um, that's the whole point of what we're doing. Well Spe- said. Speaking of reminiscing. We can't end the episode without talking a little bit about 1984, the movie the year came out. Um, we have an upcoming episode later on this year with our good buddy Diallo Jackson, where we talk about Red Dawn, which is also a 1984 movie. So we'll just hit up a couple things. Just the most um, depressing shit. Just get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it's the most depressing episode, but it's entertaining, uh, nevertheless. I mean, no, but- I just, I just mean that you. If you start with the depressing facts from 1984, that's all. I'm oh, saying. oh, oh! And you want a depressing posi- fact? Yeah, we can just do the positive ones later when we're talking about Red Dawn. Okay, I'll jump. I'll jump into that. Okay, so Andy Kaufman died in 1984. Okay, that's terrible. Uh, and then Vanessa Williams uh, had to relinquish her crown for being the first Black Miss America due to her uh, spread in P- Penthouse magazine. Oh God, yeah, that's. And which is such. You think about it now, dude. You think about contextually now. Yeah. The way things happen and, uh, you know, what what is it called? Cancel culture where, like, the yeah. minute you do something, the, the minute you do something that is 
that is left of center, you're just, or right of center, um, you're thrown out with the trash. And, and Vanessa Williams, thank God, has had a positive career after that. Um, you know, but nowadays that, that might have destroyed her career. Who knows? It's just so odd. 1984, yeah, we're talking 40, almost 40 years ago. Um, things were different back then, folks. And, and so, you know, where's the beef was one of the number one taglines of 1984. So if that gives you any trajectory, I think nowadays they would say, where's the impossible beef? Because I'm a big fan of impossible burgers. Just throwing it out there. Well, but wasn't the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, a couple movies, Breakin', I know you love Breakin', came out in 1984 also. Um, I do love Breakin'. I love Breakin' 2 a little bit better, but... That's, that's, a, that's a hot take right there. Not too many people say that. <laughs> I don't feel like anybody talks about Breakin' at all. I, I, they should. Yeah, I don't know. It's disappointing. And a movie um, I haven't. I, I, I'll, I'll full confession. I've never seen. Uh, Footloose came out in 1984. Right. So you've never seen Footloose, and you've never seen Dirty Dancing. That's yeah. And I never saw Pretty Woman, and I never yep. saw um, Pretty in Pink. I never saw Pretty in Pink. So any 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 pretty in the title, you're like, I don't do that. Yeah, anything that it, I've got camel pants on. I don't have time for pretty movies. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was too much like Jim, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do love. Maybe we'll. This is a a nice uh, button on our episode in regards to the wildlife overall. By the way, would you recommend wildlife to people for them to seek it out? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think overall, I, I certainly, there, there's a lot that I enjoyed about it. Yeah. You know, I, I guess, I guess I should put a caveat on that. I would recommend it to people who love the eighties as much as we do. Yes. Um, and that's really it. Cause I'm otherwise it's like, I'm not recommending this to, you know, Hey mom and dad, check out the wildlife, you know um, it's not. Yeah. It's not one of those, those movies that, uh, you know, I left feeling like, oh, awesome! It doesn't feel like a uh, a message of awesome youth. I, here's 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 what I'll say. Here's how I'll wrap it up. At the very end of the movie, Tommy Chris Penn's character is talking to Eric Stoltz, and Eric Stoltz is really mad because he's just been kicked out of his apartment like a week after getting into it because of Tommy. It's Tommy's yeah. fault. But Tommy says to him, "No, man." You just threw the biggest party of the year. You are a legendary, yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but you are a legendary person. Everyone will remember that Bill Conrad's party happened today and no one will ever forget this. And so you're, you know, you're basically a hero. And, he, and Eric still seems to like contemplate that. And he's like, huh, well, I guess you're right. Like, that's kind of, okay, cool. But then he still has no apartment and he has, you know, like his and life. he's got to pay back all that. Yes, money and he's for... being sued um, yes. for this party that he was not allowed to have and destroyed everything. You know, the uh, furniture's in the pool. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's one of those classic <laughs> pizza on the record player kind of a kind of a parties. Yeah. Um, but that that sort of sentiment of like, here's what here's what good comes out of this. That's kind of how I felt 
about the movie in a way where I was like, okay, yeah, I feel like there's that. But I don't know. I don't know that I would recommend it to everybody. <laughs> well, I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to say, uh, before, well, before I go one step further, I want to throw it because I, I teased this in the beginning of the episode. There's one other little real genius connection. There's a scene in in, in um, Fashion Galaxy where this guy's trying on a jacket. It's ugly as F. And Rick Moranis' character, Harry, is wearing the same jacket. And he's like, oh, it's a great jacket. You should get it. It's a really funny exchange. And then Tommy comes up and ruins the whole thing. The guy wearing the jacket is in Real Genius as well. His name's Bodie in Real Genius. And he's one of the main, like, antagonist nerds. He's a part of uh, Kent's crew. Yeah. Who gives wow. himself gives himself shock treatments, uh, and then and then of course, uh, the professor has the great line, you know, oh, up the voltage or something like that, you know. So, um, yeah, I I I see why you would be hesitant to recommend this. I would recommend it wholeheartedly, with the caveat that these movies are flawed, and 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 it is it is darker. It's no fast times at all. It is it's. And again, I think this, like I said earlier, it would make a great um, TV pilot for a series. It just sets up, it's a nice setup to like, what's going to happen next with all these characters? I want to know, is Bill going to have a lawsuit that he's going to deal with? Is he going to stay with Anita? Is Eileen going to finally dump Tommy? Like what, all these things. And then going back to Jim, who does have a cool little story arc? I feel like it could have been more developed. Um, You know, he goes off to school. He sees the girl that he, the, the week, the week leading up to uh, school starting, he sees the girl that he has a crush on from the bowling alley at school. They have an exchange. Feels like things are going to be okay. He's got a smile on his face, kind of new attitude. And then the marquee of the high school, the little, um, you know, news and announcements that's usually in the outside of the high school. Yeah. It says, the future is up to you. And I like that. And not to get like, cheese ball or whatever but that's pretty fucking true about everything in this world that we are up we are the ones to decide really what happens next if we all band together and if yeah. we all work together and if we all love each other and we all do the things necessary to make this world a better place yeah that's very <laughs> positive because um, that's who i am damn it yeah <laughs> so. no i think that's don't ever change if this was a yearbook i would that's what i read in your yearbook would you um, would you quote uh, in excess because that's a great in excess song don't change by the way don't change yeah um no i probably wouldn't but i think uh <laughs> i think that's a very nice sentiment i didn't get any of that from this but I think that's <laughs> of course great. of course not no but i think it's great <laughs> um yeah no i think end of the day i was just very annoyed with tommy it's casual so there you go as always thank you guys for listening to the show we love you uh and thanks for being some big support dustin you want to you want to say anything i would like to uh echo those sentiments and um don't watch the wildlife good night (laughs) how dare you
right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.